What is going on, military cash flow family? Today's a great day, man. I'm having a good day. How about you, Mike? What's 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 new in your world? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. What's the day is? It's uh, July 29th. So for anybody listening to this recording, I have now entered into the realm of loan origination. That's right, baby. That means if you need to get a loan in any of the 50 states, I always, I always have an issue. I always say like 48 or 49. But anyway, any of these 50 states with an LLC, right? LLC financing, commercial financing, let me know. And if you're trying to buy something in your personal name, right? Maybe delayed financing or burn your personal name, VA, FHA, blah, blah, blah. In North and South Carolina, I got you. You heard it. That's probably the newest thing. Yeah, that's that's the newest thing for me, man. I'm really excited about it. But that, that's it for me right now. We're kind of working on that. What about yourself, man? What you yeah, That's a big thing, man. That's not no. That's it for me. That's a big thing, dude. <laughs> like you guys. I mean, just just think about that for a second. So all you guys who who have posted stuff on online, like, hey, who do I do, get my commercial refinance through? Who do I, you know, talk to about this first commercial property that I want to get? Who do I talk to? I'm living in North Carolina. I'm in the Bragg area. I'm in the you know Jackson Fort uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina area. And I'm looking for a VA home loan. I'm looking for a loan. You guys are hearing it right here. We got our very own Mike Glaspie is a mortgage loan officer, official, got the stamp. We're ready and we're ready to do this. So please come reach out to us. And uh, and I, I know Mike, Mike will get you squared away. I mean, you, you, you I don't got to say anything about Mike. You guys already know about Mike. This guy's a monster. So, um, so yeah. That's that's awesome. But uh, when it comes to me, um, as you guys see, I got a college shirt on. I'm never in a college shirt. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) the reason why is I just left a little I had to leave a hill and farewell kind of early so I can come on this jump on this podcast uh, with you guys and uh, and uh, make sure we get this dope ass content out for you. But um, other than that, you know, I'm I'm just kind of hanging out, man. I, I had a great day today. I got to link up with um a a, an old buddy of mine that we used to serve with uh the last time i was here at fort stewart and we got to have some lunch got to catch up and he's with exp he's doing great things you know uh shout out to junior matthews you know um i'll make sure i plug him or i'll give him a heads up he's going to be mentioning this podcast so he's doing some great things he's closing on units and he's living out he's living right right around the area and he just he's crushing the game and every single time i hear those man i sit down and have lunch with a lot of my friends i try to do you know weekly networks with whoever I can in the area right and just literally talk real estate or just talk life right um every single time I hear that man I I just love it it gives me so much more motivation and so much more of a like hey man you're on the right path you know you need those people in your life to see what they're doing and talking and associate with people like that right so that you can uh so that you can uh, it just inspires you and can and keeps you on your keeps your focus basically right and you keep you have other people holding you accountable right um so it's just really cool man and I, I really enjoyed myself uh, in that little one hour lunch and um yeah man other than that I'm just kind of hanging out with the family and you know Stacking this cash, getting ready for whatever comes next. (laughs) Whatever comes next. I love it, man. It leads me to my next point, which is Johnny Lynham. I hope I pronounced it right because I messed it up three times before this take. But this man is a beast, man. Um, This I really love the content that was delivered in this episode, specifically because his journey speaks to uh, you know, the consistency required to be an actual real estate investor, right? It speaks to the, the, the journey, the level of maturity that people have to develop over the years. When you hear his story, you're going to be like, damn, he went from purchasing one side of a duplex to all of a sudden purchasing 
77% ownership of an 18 unit complex by not doing it a traditional uh, 506 raising. He just said, hey, I'm gonna put in a promissory note. You feel me? And put in a second lien position, which is very unique. Something new I've learned, right? But, but people hear that story and they're like, damn, this dude's lucky. Oh, damn, this dude's got it all. He got it made. He did it, you know, super unique. Nobody can ever mirror that. When in fact, it took him 15 years of investing, 15 years of investing while he was still active duty in the military, raising a family, being a father, being a husband, so forth and so on and so on. So I love his story because he dropped so many nuggets just about how this journey is really, you know, from our perspective as we walk it. Perfect, man. I I don't have nothing else to say, man. That was pretty, you pretty much nailed the head on the, uh, the put the nail on the head right there. I thought that was a great intro and a great synopsis of what happened in this. And I think the biggest thing is uh, the biggest thing I want you guys to focus on, what you guys to hear out of this is, is the amount of discipline and what the true grind is. The true grind is that long period, right? This is a marathon. This is not a sprint and understanding that, understanding that, you know, close one deal and a couple of years later, close another deal. And a couple of years later, like that, that time in between, in, in between transition, right? That's where he really, he really won. And that's the true grind, staying focused and continuing to take action for whatever that means for, for, for you in that period, you might be going through a lull right now in yourself. Like, all right, I just purchased my first deal, man. Now I gotta wait for a long time because I gotta do, rebuild the cash or I gotta um, stabilize the whatever I just bought before, and it takes some time. That that is the grind, right? The grind is not I just bought the house and that's good. There's a lot of things that you can do in that true lull period, that true what I call the grind period, um, and, and and we talk about that in this episode. And I, and I thought that was the most uh, the most important thing. Uh, when it comes to the this investing journey of ours right so uh without further ado uh stay tuned here's the episode hey how's it going this is dan Wynn and mike glassby and this is the military cash flow podcast where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate we cover real deals real numbers and real lessons learned from other successful investors now whether you're watching this on youtube are you listening on the podcast? We need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, military cash flow family? Today we got a great guest, Johnny Lynham, in the house tonight. Hey, Johnny, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate that. Uh, can you let us know a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background, please? Yeah, so Johnny Lynham, man, coming by way of Alabama. Graduated University of Alabama, did the Rossi thing, and then commissioned into the Air Force back in 2005. And uh, you know, I, you know, as as you guys already know, every every military job isn't the same. Uh, with mine, I'm an acquisition officer, six two echo by trade, which kind of is more akin to business. You know, you're dealing with contractors, you're going to PMRs and suits and things like that. So it's been a little bit different couple of deployments under my belt and uh, career broaden as an Intel officer, couple of deployments and, uh, you know, just kind of rocking and rolling almost in 16 years now. 16 years. Yeah, it's nice. We got a little bit of synergy there. I didn't know you were an acquisitions officer. I'm a finance officer. So I know a little bit of terminology of the GFIBs and the WAFs <laughs> and the, nice. the, the cabinets and stuff. Yeah. So cool, cool. It's crazy to me how even within the military, you know, you could be just one branch over and the terminology and the acronyms are completely different. It's like, yes. come on, man. We all wearing the same uniform. All right. So 16 years in, in the uh, in the military, you said you came right out of college, right? Through Rossi. Right. 
Okay, so give us a little bit more about your upbringing. Were you born and raised in Alabama? So born in Detroit, Michigan, stayed there for about eight years, then moved to Alabama back where my dad was from. So grew up, dad was a, a pastor and, you know, he had his own business, his own entrepreneurial thing he was doing, his appliance and television repair. And then my mom was a phlebotomist, worked in the hospital. And, you know, so it was just me and my sister and we, you know, grew up kind of humble beginners in the country, you know, running dirt roads, barefoot type deal. And, you know, I always excel academically because I knew that was my ticket to get out. You know, my parents, you know, lived in Detroit 20 years before they moved to Alabama. They're like, hey, you want to get out of here? You got it. School is going to be the way. And so they pushed me and I, you know, I didn't rebel. And, you know, it worked out pretty good where I was able to secure more than enough scholarship money to go off to school, went to University of Alabama, had a blast, graduated, probably could have had a GPA a little bit higher. But, you know, I lived and I had a guaranteed job with the Air Force and had a full ride coming out of there. So it worked out pretty well, you know, so. I always like to tell people like, you know, I, I started, I didn't have a silver spoon as a lot of people do, but you know, I played the cards that I had and, you know, and just kind of use the, the tools, the, the benefits from going into the military and just kind of use everything at my disposal to my advantage. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. And just one quick side note, I think you're the only person that went to university of Alabama that I've, I've heard, or that I have not heard say roll tide at the end of Alabama. I think that's a, this is the <laughs> first coming, conversation ever. The first conversation. And I, don't, I don't even see any Alabama memorabilia back there or anything. It's crazy. <laughs> well, you have so. to be, be subtle. You know, you're talking to, you may have an investor from Clemson or an investor from Auburn. So, you know, you got to be agnostic. He just, gotcha, he's going to gotcha. throw it in there real slick. He'd be like, oh, roll tide. Roll tide. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. We heard that. I do love that. Um, I do love that. It sounds like you kind of, uh, even at a young age, it sounds like you kind of, you know, had that game plan of, hey, I want to get out. And y- y- it seems like you kind of had it mapped out a little bit. I mean, what what influenced your decision to join the Army since you said you were already academically gifted and you, are, you already had like the scholarships and everything like that? What influenced you to actually join the military? I think I said Army, I meant Air Force. Yep. Same difference. So funny you said that. That's a good segue because coming out of high school, I had a four-year Army ROTC scholarship. And I uh, was going to the debt to have my interview and everything. My dad, who's a Vietnam Army veteran, he was like, hey, you talk, while you're there, talk to the Air Force. They're right across the hall. Talk to them when you, while you're on campus. And I did. And they were like, hey, we can't guarantee you a scholarship now. But if you come here as an electrical engineer major, your spring semester, you'll be on scholarship. And so I was like, okay. I looked at it and, you know, talking to a couple other people, mentors. They're like, yeah, the Air Force is, is the way to go. And, uh, you know, I took them for their word. And sure enough, I got on scholarship, got a full ride Air Force scholarship that second semester of my freshman year. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. And I kind of, you know, so we, it kind of worked out. So I got a question and I, I'm a little ignorant to the uh, to the whole process when it comes to the RTC section of it. Mm-hmm. But um, if the, the was it the Army was offering anybody who was willing to sign saying, hey, I'm committed that they were getting scholarships and then the Air Force is only doing select branches? Or how did that how did that work so, out? So the Air Force probably, they were a little bit more selective. So the Army, I was number three out of my high school class and I had a 93 on the ASVAB. So the Army was like, hey, you're our guy. You're good. We'll send you to ROTC. With that, you know, even with the Air Force, they're like, yeah, you got electrical engineer major. You need to come on campus. And once you enroll, then we can offer you a scholarship. So it's a little bit different. But I, I put an offer in for Air Force, but was unsuccessful out of high school with it. So, okay, well, it's good to know. I, yeah, I was I was unaware, and I mean, for our audience members looking to you know take that path going in through college or whatever the case is, 
it's just good good food for thought. So we might have to do a whole episode on that because we I, I'm just curious now. But okay, good stuff, man. So what made you? Let me ask you this. So um, I understand that you were looking for the that way out, right? That way out from the humble beginnings, which most of us were, and. What made you actually pursue the military? Was it your father's past experience or was it something else kind of inside you that said, you know what, let me just, let me chase this down. So really for me, it was, it was the money. They're going to pay for school. And at the bottom line, you know, it was, hey, they're going to pay the bills, get a stipend. I can go to school for free and I'm going to have a job when I get out. Yeah. And, you know, so that was the route I took, you know, after coming in, serving, 9-11 happened while I was in college. And, you know, it's just the, uh, you know, just being in uniform and then it kind of grew that it was something a little bit bigger than that. And uh, they kind of grew on me after that fact, just besides the money with just the service to the country and, and the mission that we had. But, uh, you know, and I think it's different for every individual on their yeah. reason for joining. And it just it kind of with everything we, we evolve and we change over time. And, you know, our goals change, our ambitions change. And it's no the same thing in real estate. You know, you start in one place and you're probably going to end in a different place. And you are so right. That's that's literally with everything. And I think that's a lot of people's. Um, uh, main, I'm not gonna say main focus, but when, when they main reason for joining, a lot of it has to deal with education or schooling or, or money. Let's, let's just be honest, right? A lot of times it's not typically, Hey, it's purely to save, you know, to, to serve my country. But just like you said, man, we evolve. And, and as we get into this, it's like, all right, well, now I'm starting to see a little bit something different. And you're like, all right, well, maybe I'll stay in a little bit longer. Maybe I'll do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then you start to really feel that pride, right? Within the military. Exactly. So that's, that's a that's a cool thing. And just like you said, it translates over to real estate. Right. So it's, you're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. And, and you're honest. <laughs> you're honest for saying that it was the money. That was the first. Hey, I love it, man, because I was the same way. I, you know, I was like, oh, how am I going to pay for this? Right. So, boom, nothing wrong with that. So talk to us a little bit about, I guess, your trajectory in the military career to where then real estate started. I guess, even popping up in your mind. Like, where did that kind of come into play? Yeah, so for me, you know, first duty station was Warner Robins um, Air Logistics Center there about an hour and a half south of Atlanta and uh, was living in an apartment and a lieutenant buddy of mine came, he was like, Johnny, I got this duplex I found, man. I, I'm gonna buy a side, you need to buy the other side. And I was like, okay, cool. He was like, hey, it's like, it's gonna be like $300 cheaper than what we're paying in rent right now for the apartment. So I was like, I'm game. You know, so, you know, and to look back on it, He's like, I jacked my credit up in high school, in college and uh, coming out and everything. So really didn't have that financial literacy backing, even coming out with a degree, electrical engineer, minor in math and physics. Like, okay, I still don't know how the economy works, real estate works, how your credit works and just the impact on things in that regard. And so took the leap of faith. I actually got a 300, a little bit over $300 back at close and no money down, use my VA benefit. And uh, it was like a $65,000 property, thousand square foot, two bedroom, two bath. And uh, that kind of, so that kind of set the mold for me. It was like, okay, I, they're going to pay me to take this house and it's going to save me $300 a month. And it's way less than my BAH. I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. I need to look more into this. And that kind of just started the journey for me in real estate uh, from there. And then just as, you know, PCS in the 2010, about four years later, um, turning into a landlord by default with leaving the area. I still own that house to this day. And, uh, you know, the next one found a foreclosure. I had learned about foreclosures, learned about subject to different strategies, um, going to a making RIA, their real estate investor association that was there and just kind of learned the game because it's, it's, it wasn't taught in school, still not taught in school. 
And from there, it's just like, okay, I'm looking for foreclosures. I can use my VA again. Three years later, PCS again, used by another foreclosure, using my VA loan again because I moved to the DC area and you get that bump in your entitlement for just being in a high price market. And so I was able to slide in a third house, all using my VA loan and uh, no money down. Laying out the blueprints, man. Laying out the blueprints. I love it. Hey, so I think that's so crazy. And, and I know every now and again, we talk about it on the show, but um, I really think it's it's crazy how, you know, you were an electrical engineer and math, math um, major, basically, right? And yeah. you said they don't teach this in college, right? Like, for some reason, we have this um, idea about us. At least I did when I was little, you know, a lot of the people that around me, I kind of came from humble beginnings as well. Not many people in my, my family went to college or anything, but it was always go to college and you'll be successful, go to college, and you'll be successful. Right. But right. It, it, it's just mind boggling me that they teach nothing at all about personal finance. And it's a journey that you have to embark on, on your own. I, I, like after you, you're in so much, well, in most yeah. people's situation, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in so much debt. It, it just, it's just mind-boggling. What, what are your thoughts about that? Like, I mean, you, you said you kind of had to figure that out on your own. Um, how do you think your situation maybe have maybe have changed had it been taught in school? And then just what are your overall thoughts on that in general? Well, I think it definitely would have been changed. And, you know, and I, you can't fault your parents. They do the best they can to give you the knowledge they know. And it, it's left up to you to have that grind, that grind and determination to go seek out the rest. And I think what the platform you guys have built or is, is changing the course of that now. You're educating people. It's the proliferation of information across the internet. Now you don't necessarily need a formal education, a formal university certificate to say, hey, this is how you learn this stuff. That you, you pick it up from just learning from experts that's doing it and implementing these strategies right now. So, you know, it, it definitely would have been different to know about stocks, know how to evaluate a company, know how know about a financial statement, know how to generate your own personal financial statement, those kind of things. But, you know, I, I look back, I would never want to change the journey. It, 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 it's turned me into the man that I am, the investor that I am, the husband, father, all that good stuff. And now it's like, you know, I just, you know, just wrote a book about it. You know, the same, the same thing, real estate success strategies, what they forgot to teach you in school. You know, because it's it's at the core of this problem. And I think that the problem is there on purpose and nobody is trying to solve the problem because these schools were created to produce workers to work for as employees. And so that's how it was built. And so they're not necessarily incentivized to, to change and make it different. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. 
So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. I love it. Yeah, I love we got it. somebody preaching, baby. <laughs> we got somebody preaching. And I love that plug for the book, man. So we're going to make sure that we share that book into, in, the, in the show notes. It's on pre-order now, I believe, right? But hopefully yep. when this comes out, it's, it's live. But man, you're, you're dropping nuggets upon nuggets upon nuggets, man. You're exactly right. People do not understand that our education system was built and was in, in, installed to create employees. If you want to be successful outside of the norm of what society tells you, you have to do your own research, man. Yes. And, and I think you're a perfect example of that because if anybody told me that they were an electrical engineer major with a math minor, in my mind, you know accountant. You good with money because you good with right. numbers, right? You know what I'm saying? But you're 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 a perfect example. Say, hey, even even when I'm I know all the math in the world, I still didn't know finance. So it's got to show you, man. You got to put on extra. So I love that, man. I, I really do, and I applaud you for that, and I appreciate you dropping that knowledge. Now I got to back up a little bit because I got a question for you. Okay. What? It because here's the thing. A lot of people hear these things. You say duplex. I got to go back to real estate. I'm sorry. I have to because it just stuck with me. But it says duplex. One side I'm going to buy, the other side you have to buy. And it's going to, you know, you pay to save, right? Right. But what in your mind, when we hear duplex, we typically hear, hey, I'm going to be the sole owner of two properties, of two doors, right? And your mind, your situation, walk us through how it was presented to you and how you understood it at that time. Because it's, it's now you guys are owning, you know, one door and under one building. Right, right. And, you know, and that's, that was the way. So it was presented and how they had it listed. It was listed as two properties for sale. It was the builder that had kept it, I think, for like two years. He was looking to liquidate to sell more. So this is 06. He's trying to build more and more leading up into 08. I don't know how all that worked out for Buzz, but hopefully he came out pretty good. I never followed up on that. So he had two pro He had both of the properties listed separately, even though it was it shared a roof, two separate doors and everything. And um in just one property and you know looking back it was like man he should have just bought both sides you know or you know looking back on it but you know now that you i know those things that hey you can qualify with a va loan and buy a duplex and buy both sides so that's something that you know i didn't necessarily know at that time but it really was presented with like hey they're right beside each other on the market he's like you might as well buy the other one and i i really think uh nick my and we're still good friends for till today for sharing that with me because he didn't have to you know, he was the one looking out like, hey, I'm looking to buy a house in this area, you know, and I was just, you know, I was in my apartment, got my new job. I'm trying to, you know, get my rank and stuff and do good and, and my job be a good employee and, you know, and really just kind of push the status quo. But uh, thankfully, you know, we had that good rapport. He reached out like, hey, let's let's do this. And I was at least willing enough to listen and look at it and make a good business decision. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, so so we transition into uh, to the, the beginnings of real estate right now. I mean, I have an idea of where you're at right now because I follow you on Instagram. You have if you're not following uh, Johnny on Instagram, you need to do so. He puts out some really dope content and he's always sharing what he's doing. I think he just put out something about like aerial view of a roof or something right that like that. Right. Yep. So it's always good stuff. But um, 
from understanding those beginnings, right? You buy one side of a duplex to where you are now. Can you walk us through some of that? And like, I'm assuming there was some mindset sh mindset shifts. I'm assuming there was some family in there, family additions maybe, because you mentioned kids. I'm like, how does all that work? Because um, I'm really interested in how you, you know, you you made that that transition to scaling larger, right? And then also right. doing that while managing a family because that is very hard. A lot of times we bring some people on the show that that you know they might not have families, right? And we're trying to figure out how to how to make that transition, they're trying to figure it out themselves. Now listeners are doing the same thing. So can you please help us out with that? For sure, for sure. And I think it really went from the duplex to okay, I got the VA loan. I got entitlement. I could do it again. So let me find a foreclosure. So went that avenue, you know, had just got married. We got our first house, just marital bliss, no kids and just loving it. And, uh, you know, even before that, you know, it took this retired chief who, I, you know, had went to Intel school, was staying with a couple of buddies, but they had PCS, the Langley Air Force Base all together, had got married in route. The wife ain't got there yet. So I'm living with them, dude on the couch, hanging out with my lieutenants and I'm a captain. And, um, you know, and the neighbor beside me, I was, I, I, I'll never forget, he had a black Corvette and he had a black Porsche, retired guy. He had, he had real estate. And uh, I was saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, if you know Hampton and Newport News, they got the Peninsula Town Center. They had just been built kind of around 2011. And I was about to get an apartment loft paying like $17.50 a month rent and stay mm. up top. Knew about real estate, but I didn't know at that time that I still had entitlement until I told him, like, we were talking. I was like, he's like, why won't you just buy a house? He was like, you got it. You're gonna pay fifty thousand dollars over three years to somebody for rent, and you can just have your own place and then rent it out to somebody else coming in. And I was like, you're right. And I was like, well, I already bought a place. He's like, you still got entitlement. And so he planted that seed. Like, okay. And I went and looked. And like, sure enough, loan. The loan officer told me, yeah, you can you can get up to I think it was like two ninety. And I bought a foreclosure hood foreclosure for two hundred eight, and uh, kept it moving. But you know that seed was planted. And then after that, I knew about entitlement more. So in 2013, we found another one, just slid in, got a condo in the Northern Virginia area. And, you know, we had a couple of kids at that point. And after that, like the next year, after I, um, you know, kind of come back from deployment, we bought our first rental, true rental property in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, just kind of learned virtual, you know, was self-managing. Didn't really look at the CapEx when I bought it for 25K. You know, the tenant moved out like six months later, had to drop 10K in it. And uh, I was like, yeah, it was it was renting for 750 on Section 8 was good. But when they moved out, it was like, oh, yeah, I should have been. Man, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to pause. We got to pause. How much you pay for that thing? 25K. Damn, that's what I thought I heard. 25,000? 25,000. It's probably still worth 25,000 today. <laughs> <laughs> but, but did you hear It's rented for probably 8850. It's a cash flow play. So that's the big thing. It, it cash flows, but you're not going to necessarily get the appreciation long term. Yeah. I love it, though, because I mean, let's let's be honest, like for all the real estate investors out there that are thinking, oh, man, I want to buy a twenty five thousand dollar property. Well, first off, you got to back up and you got to realize what's your strategy. Right. Yes. And does does that property that you're looking for actually help you meet your objective? You were looking for cash flow and you're right. It's going to it's going to work all day for cash flow. But and I'm just assuming. But tell me, am I right? You probably have more maintenance issues on this property than you would a class A. Am yes. I right? Okay. 100%. You may or you may not have some tenant issues with this property that you may not have on others, right? So it's yep. like you have to choose your battles. You have to choose your battles. But nonetheless, man, that's a hell of a deal for you to come out. And then I want to, again, you, you hit on something key that I think our audience needs to understand. 
And we mentioned this a lot, but sometimes it doesn't register. You said you had already purchased a home with your VA and then your buddy came around or your neighbor came around and said, hey, guess what? You got more entitlement. You can do it again. Yes. And you can keep doing it again and again until you run out of your entitlement, guys. And there's some stipulations to it. We're not going to talk about that right now. But that is something that most people miss. And I always love to preach about the, hey, how do you get 12 units in three years with no money down? You buy a quad one year, quad the next year, quad the next year, all with the VA loan, right? So you were doing that in your own fashion. So that's a beautiful thing, man. Beautiful thing. For sure. And it worked out. You know, we bought another house. We, you know, same contractor that was working with that one. We paid 6400 for it on the auction and uh, put 10 in it. And uh, you know, and painted it, and we rented it out for seven twenty-five. You gotta, you gotta and, stop you know, again, man. Well, how much did you pay? 6, Come on, man. Sixty-four hundred auction.com. Oh. Well, no, this was this was HubZoo. It was auction.com. It right. was HubZoo, and uh, you know, it was just you know, just a house there, regular house that somebody lived in two years. I was like, we can buy this. Somebody lived in here two years ago. There's a direct TV <laughs> dish on the house, so I'm like, it can't be that bad. And uh, we put the money in it and, you know, and, and got it rented out. And, you know, but we ended up, we cashed out of those and started fixing and flipping in 2015. We sold both of those, you know, after the one moved out, we had to put 10K in. I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying these old houses anymore. And, you know, we found that we got our first flip here in Alexandria, Virginia. And that was a whole uh, teaching moment as well, too, just with hard money and knowing how interest is computed versus just flat, simple interest versus, you know, interest that's computed for each day that you have the loan. I learned that the hard way with, uh, you know, with the first deal, we, we kind of underran on what our estimate was for construction and a hard money lender made a little bit more money than we did. <laughs> but uh, but we learned a heck of a lot. That's been my most extensive rehab across over two dozen fix and flips projects, you know, that we've done over the years. So it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And now, but all this, man, I'll tell you, you know, no formal mentors, no training and just trying to podcast and, you know, and figure it out on your own, go to a couple of meetups and looking back now, what I know with mastermind and just how much I've been able to grow my net worth and just a year from just joining mastermind groups and networking with the right people. It's like, man, I should have been doing this five, six years ago. It's, it's, it's no telling what, where we could have been. Now, I, I want to pause you real quick before we go deeper into flipping. And then also want to talk about uh, Jerome Myers and Mid Atlantic Conference, I believe you're speaking on as well. Yep. Um, but uh, pausing uh, and going back to the philosophy and your mindset switch, you're like, hey, I don't want to deal with these anymore because there's pretty much two schools of thought when it comes to uh, to like investing some invest. I mean, I guess there's a middle ground too, but you know, on the opposite extremes, there's people that invest for straight cash flow, cash flow plays. Right. And those are your places like Birmingham, Watertown, New York is, is a very, very good cash flow place. There's like a, a lot of the places in the rust belt area, are very, very good cash flow places. And then there's the investors that are investing for like heavy appreciation where they're not going to see much returns. They're looking at like, you know, less than 1% returns, but they're okay with that because they know they're in hot markets and it will appreciate over time. Right. So can you walk us through that, that, that mental shift, right? Why you chose right. to get out of that, that um, type of investing. Right. And then um, yeah, just, let's just focus with that. Well, where was that mental shift at? Yeah. So the biggest mental shift for me was, <laughs> We, we can do the fix and flips and generate more capital to buy more rental properties. And so for me, it was trading those to, to be able to have the capital to put the down payment onto a fix and flip project and to have the money to, 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 for the carrying cost and for the renovation cost. 
And so with me, it was like, okay, we can sell these houses, we can liquidate, we can put back 40K in our back in our pockets or whatever it may be after we pay everything off. And then from there, it was like, hey, we can we can do the fix and flip. You know, was managing projects, you know, you know, just had saved the government over $10 million negotiating like a, a multi-hundred million dollar contract. And I was like, you know what? My paycheck's the same. I'm like, I need to get out here. I can do this myself, you know. I'm managing contractors on the software development side. I can manage contractors on a home renovation project too. And so I took the, we, I bet it on myself. The wife was like, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do it together. And, you know, she had a hundred percent faith and trust in me and, and in the good Lord. And, you know, we took off on the journey together and, uh, and it just kind of went in full, all full, full steam ahead to get it done because I knew I could do it. I had the faith and confidence had been in, you know, in the RIA meetings. And I was like, I can, these people are no different than me. They don't even have an education and they're doing this stuff. So, and I'm just sitting here, I work eight hours a day. I'm getting off at five o'clock and I'm just sitting here going home, looking at fantasy football, twiddling my thumbs. I'm like, I, I can do more. And so it, that's what kind of what got me off the couch and kind of was like, hey, let's, let's go get it. I love that direct yeah. translation from your job. Yes from acquisitions, right? And managing contractors, right? To managing contractors in the real world for yourself. Uh, if you guys don't know, like acquisitions officers, finance officers, we deal with like multi, multi, multi-million dollar budgets and, and contracts for the army, right? You take that and you, you that those same exact skill sets, they apply to real life. This is a prime example of how you can take something that, that you're doing in the real, in your, for your W-2 income, right? And put that into your, your passion project or your uh, wealth building journey, right? Um, I think there's a lot of relatable skills there. And I, I really like you. I really, I really love that you made that transition for us. And, and I challenge everybody out there right now. I don't care what your job is or what your profession is. I challenge you to find the correlation. I guarantee you something that you're doing right now translates over to real estate or to business or entrepreneurship. On the acquisition side, when you're dealing with multi-millions, it, that, okay, we say money, okay, that might be an easier correlation, but hey, it could be maybe it's the systematizing you do. I don't care if you at McDonald's and you're like, first is the bread, then it's the meat, then it's the, that's an assembly line, baby. Let's do that with real estate, right? Let's do that yes. with construction. Um, so, so that's definitely there. Um, and I also want to highlight the fact that uh, you said that you had done all of these different events, right? To build up your experience, build up your knowledge before you were confident. And for some people, they hear your path and they're like, damn, that was fast. Damn, that was that happened so quick. But you said you bought your first one in 06 and you started flipping right. in 15. Right. There right. Let's look at the numbers, right? That's nine years. So you put in the work, you put in the time, you put in the energy to learn this craft before you even changed your strategy. So talk to us about what that journey was like. Did you ever have ups and downs? During those nine years, did you, what took, you know, what was that final catalyst for you to say, you know what, okay, now I'm done with this. I want to focus on something else. And it really, it really, you know, the first five years that happened at one rental property. And then, you know, I was really honed in on my job, you know, had, uh, when I left my first duty station, I career brought in the Intel. And so was the new kid on the block and just kind of, I was all in on that, you know, soon after I got there, six months later, I deployed. And so really it was an afterthought, you know, we had got the foreclosure. So we had two houses at that point. And so it really, you know, I wasn't active or anything like that. And then like the next year after getting back home, having a kid, it was like, okay, let me look, get back into real estate, you know, reading the books and everything. And that's when we started getting a rental here. And then the next year, you know, picking up the, the $6,000 house and going from there. But, you know, really it was just after that and just being in the DC area. And I'm seeing these guys that's 
you know, wholesaling, doing these big deals and, you know, selling houses, making seventy, eighty thousand dollars profit. And I'm like, okay, you know, we're, we're making, you know, three, four hundred dollars cash flow a month. I'm like, okay, let's let's put this to the side. Let's generate some real revenue, some real cash in the marketplace. And then we can look at, you know, scaling up. And so that was really my calculus was like, okay, it's time to go bigger now. It's like the good cash flow, um, you know, for us where we are with numbers wise. But I, I saw the potential on the other side by generating more income with the fix and flip avenue compared to just buying the cheap rentals and, and just wait long term generating passive income. But it's all for a purpose, though, right? I imagine like so you're doing this until I, I mean, at some point we're going to have a correction in the real estate market. And I'm sure right. you're you're probably you're very aware of that and you're probably already planning for that. So all the flipping it seems like you went from uh, buy and hold investing right to flipping right for for cash flow, for capital build. Right. Right. And then and all that is for. What? Now to yeah. now multifamily. You know, that's the, for me, it's multifamily. It, it, you know, so after we did the first one in Alexandria, we, it was like, okay, this is way too much for us. The entry cost, the entry cost for everything was higher to buy the house, the renovations and everything. So we went to Birmingham where my wife was from. So next we go buy a house for 55,000 and we put 35 in it and sell it for 140. And, you know, so the numbers were considerably less. The risk was a whole lot less. And so I, I literally drove 10 hours, went to Birmingham, got quotes all over the weekend and I built my team up, you know, with my contractors to get the job done, you know, taking the experience we had in Virginia with the first one and had a, you know, had a really reliable realtor and family member that would go by, check the work before I would pay people. And, uh, you know, and I made it work and we did that for almost two years, just one project and find another one, you know, find another one. And we really didn't take off until 2019 after hurricane Michael hit Panama city. I had recently got back from a deployment three weeks later, uh, the hurricane hit. Then five days later, my third child was born and we were displaced for six months. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had put the business on steroids while I was in Kuwait those six months. I had built the business up, had branded the Operation Restore, had my carrot website, was sending direct mail. You know, I was ready to hit the ground running in Panama City. And boom, three weeks later after I get home, you know, the hurricane, Category 5 hurricane wipes us off the map. And for me, I thought it was a setback, but it, you know, looking back on it now, it was a setup. You know, I had put all this work in and everything, and now you had hundreds, well, you actually had thousands of dilapidated houses damaged from the hurricane. You had motivated sellers who were getting insurance money and didn't want to come back to the house that wanted to just sell it as is and walk away and just start over, whether they're buying a new house in the area or just moving to a whole new area and new city. And so, you know, initially I thought it was a setback, but now it's like, okay, boom, we know exactly what to do. Let's put it to work. You know, it was a six month delay from when I wanted to get started, but it, you know, that setback was a setup and we just kind of hit the ground running in 2019 and then 2020. That's crazy. And, and it's crazy how that happens too. As you prepare yourself, regardless of what is going on, even if we, we always talk about like taking action, right? And that comes in many different forms. It doesn't mean I had to buy a house today. That's the only form of taking action, right? You talked about you were, you were in Kuwait, you were setting up your team, you were networking, you were focusing, you were already doing the branding, you, you were already sending those yellow letters out the entire, the entire time. And then something traumatic happens, right? Something, you know, we don't, we don't, think is going to happen just natural disaster we can't control that right and we're looking at that man that's, that's a setback but 
out of setbacks, sometimes opportunities present themselves and you were prepared for it because you had been doing all the prep work on the, on, on the other side of it. Right. So that's, yep. that's crazy. I think that's a, a very, um, a very like key point of emphasis. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times we sit um, stagnant because we're like, man, I, you know, I don't have the money right now. I don't, I don't, you know, my credit's not that great. Something else is, you know, happening in our lives. Right. But we can take that opportunity and, and really learn from it and capitalize on it. My credit's not good. My money's not right. Well, what can I be doing? I can be networking. I can be building out other things that doesn't cost money. Right. So uh, these are, these are kind of the things it's like it says on your background, the hustle, the grind, the execution, man, that's what it's all about, man. I love it. And I, and I will say this, I will say this, this is that perfect example where they say luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? You was busting your ass. And this is what people don't understand. People, you know, and not every, not our listeners, our listeners know the grind, right? But people in the world, they'll sit there and they will observe somebody's success. And they'll say, man, that person is so lucky. Oh man, I wish, oh, if I was there, I'd have done this. Nah. What you didn't see was years of grinding, years of studying, years of networking, like Dan was talking about, when all of a sudden the opportunity hit, and, and let's be honest, that wasn't an ideal scenario for most people, but what, what you were able to do was you were able to look at a, a, a negative scenario and find that silver lining. And, I, get, and yes. I guarantee you, by you going in there and purchasing some of those properties, you actually helped some of those owners out. And that's what people, they, they miss that correlation. A good investor is a problem solver. And that's what you were doing for. And I love that, man. So now that you're in multifamily, talk to us about that jump. Now let's talk about multifamily specifically. What's kind of your niche? What are you looking for? What's kind of your goals and aspirations with multifamily? Yeah, so on the multifamily front, 20 to 60, kind of the mom and pop owner, self-manager self, uh, self is kind of our sweet spot right now. My goal, you know, two to three a year, I got about four years left before I be eligible for retirement. You know, then looking at the hundred plus, you know, the 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 big deals where you on site property management. But you know, for just working directly with the seller, you know, when I looked at the avatar with how we did our deal and just everything from the seller, just who they were, baby boomers near retirement, owned other businesses, weren't neglected, not necessarily neglected the property, but it wasn't their priority, and you could tell deferred maintenance and. Uh, insurance claim that had been going on for a year and a half and so there was the underlying motivation for them when we stumbled across the park the property and you know and i'll tell you you know i always thought apartments were just you know the, the price tag on them that's out there you know I, I wasn't ready for that but i went to a multifamily conference in orlando um october 2019 it changed my mindset changed my whole mindset you know to the point where is that i didn't want to put spend thirty thousand dollars on their education program um, but I was like, okay, I understand enough about it. I see it. And 45 days, 45 days later, I submitted my first LOI on this 18 unit that we bought, you know, that I stumbled across getting ready for appraisal. So I went and put, looked at the price of this commercial lot that was listed for sale behind me. And I found this 18 unit that had been sitting on the market for over 90 days. And so I reached out to the broker. It was listed at 1.35 million and I offered them a million. And it took them a while, like a month later, I got a chance to walk in with the broker. And then we, we eventually split. They wanted to be at 1.1. The broker told me I came in at a million. So we ended up splitting the difference um, about 45 days later, early March, kind of right when COVID was about to start kicking off. We got under contract 
and uh it took us about three months to close and but it was it was a heck of a process to go through from getting a syndication attorney kind of halfway through and you know bringing on a gp partner of mine mm -hmm. and with us we didn't do a gp lp traditional split that we just raised a two-year promissory note and brought investors on. And so we raised about 95,000 of the 210 that was due for the down payment as just a second position lien that my credit union was fine with. And so we just gave them 7% annual cash on cash return, gonna kick in about 20,000 20, at the refinance milestone in two years. And so it'll work out to be about a 17% IR for those across each year for them. And we got, and we walked away with all the equity for the deal. Yeah. And, you know, and that was all from just a book, you know, from I had picked up the book at the conference from this attorney that presented Kim Taylor. And she's like how to legally raise, uh, you know, money for private and private capital. And she had a note, had a had a section in there about promissory notes as an option and, you know, preserving the equity. And I was like, OK, I was ignorant enough to like, OK, I'm, I'm, that sounds good to me. I'm going to do that. And, you know, it, it was tough raising the money, you know, initially. And then my mastermind met a good partner of mine, wanted to come in and get a GP experience. And he helped raise a portion of it. And we got it done. God, man, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that. And, and I've been I, I do syndications and all sorts, of, but I, I've never heard of that, man. And what I have to commend is that, you know, I honestly think is is individuals like yourself who bootstrap. Right. Who who don't come from a background of a family of investors where you had to learn it yourself. You got creative. That is yes. creative, my man. I love it. And the fact that you you just put in offers and you say, you know what, I'm, I, I use the conference for what it was. The conference was that tool or that an event to help me open my mindset. Right. I didn't have to fork out the, the whatever, the 30, 15, 20 thousand dollars on the back end. But it opened up my mindset and I did my own research. And yep. went out there 45 days, you know, 45 days later and got that, man. I love that, man. That's that's intense. That Hopefully the audience picked up on that, man. It's creativity and never saying just, you know, no, or there's only one way. I love it. And I got it. I got to say, you know, 2019 was a hell of a year for conferences, man. That's how me and Dan met. <laughs> okay. We met at a conference, too. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm at that Grant Cardone. I'm assuming yours was a Jake and Gina. That's the only one I know that's in Orlando for sure. Yep. Got, that was, yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, we had Jake and Gina on the show, like they're one of the earlier, earlier episodes. So, so yeah, man, let's talk about conferences, right? So you're about to be a guest speaker on a conference, a Mid-Atlantic conference. Yeah. That's what our, uh, one of our, one of our guest friends, uh, Jerome Myers, he's also been on the show a while ago. He's one of the earlier, uh, earlier uh, episodes. So um, tell us about that, man. So, so we, we got, we started from 15 years, it's about 15 years ago, right? Yep. About 15 years ago in that first, that first one side of a duplex, right? All the way to now, we got multifamily units. We're talking about doing millions, million dollar deals, right? And now we're we're up. Now we're truly teaching other people at conferences, right? I mean, just think about that for a second. We're talking about a fifteen year span of time. It sounds really quick when we're saying it like this, right? But right. But the focus and like the hustle and grind and execution, I'm going to keep saying that because I keep seeing it in the back, in the background there, <laughs> but uh, that you had and you had to keep during that entire 15 year process is, is, is phenomenal. And that's what got you to this point. Now, how can you tell us about the conference? Tell us about the conference, what you're going to be yeah, speaking yeah. about. 
Most definitely. And I think that at the same time, all that still serving active duty and still being, you know, husband and father facts. all doing facts. the same thing. Yes. And, um, you know, so that's the challenge, but that's why we have to, that's why you have to lean on your networking system and you can do it. Cause we all, you know, whether you're, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Johnny Lyman, you still, we all still got 24 hours in a day and you gotta, you just gotta do what you gotta do and figure it out. Um, but so, the conference, man, the conference is a blessing, you know, just, uh, you know, with all of the career and everything. And I've always been one to want to give back, whether it's, you know, working with the BICOB organization in Atlanta last year, with just working with uprising teens that's looking to go to college and just sharing my experiences, you know, from the military, just trying to teach leadership, communication skills, um, how to interview well for a job, just just basic stuff. Whether you go to college or not, you need to know this stuff to just be uh, to be successful at anything in life, to be able to have, just hold a conversation with somebody. So just teaching those intangibles to people and then talking about real estate as well too. So, you know, just giving back has always been a part because there were so many people that poured out into me to be where I'm at today. And, uh, you know, so it's just an honor to, to attend the, the conference. We talk about, you know, October 18, I was, you know, my first multifamily conference. And here I'm talking at a multifamily conference a little bit less than two years later. And it's truly a humbling experience just to share my journey and how I went through with my uh, my uh, opportunity that was presented and just how we were creative with the financing, how we, I didn't even talk about the assignment of benefits that we actually took over the insurance claim. And it took a year, we, but we got the check. So we ended up getting $50,000 to go back to rebuild four units, as well as we got $25,000 in concessions from the seller at closing. You know, so all that. And so just really talking about that process with the multifamily unit, you know, I walked away with 77% ownership equity in the deal. I had one, my other GP buddy, he walked, he had 18 that raised, raised a portion of money. And I gave one of my college buddies that came in with me, gave him 5% ownership and, and we got the deal done. And, you know, and just, you know, for what I'm going to tell them at the conference, I'm going to talk about the deal, but my situation, they won't, they won't do that. They're not going to do that deal. They probably they should be doing a deal bigger than my deal, but I'm going to give them the intangibles on how to go off and do their own deal because that that's everybody's experience is going to be separate, but there are some pieces to it for the hustle, the grind, being able to grab the knowledge and know how to evaluate a deal to underwrite a deal. Whereas that when opportunities present themselves, you're able to take advantage of them. And so that's the thing that, you know, when I get on the stage, you just tear, encourage people is where, wherever you are today, you have already had what it takes to be successful in multifamily. You just don't know it yet. And you haven't figured out how to apply it in the right situation. Yeah. And I, and I got to say, man, it's, you know, first off, again, I got to commend you, man. As you achieve success, you give back. Right. You're sharing your story and you're making sure that you're bringing people along with you. That to me, I think, is is extremely important in raising us up as a people. You know what I mean? Like there, right. there's a large income gap. There really is. Um, and this is our way of saying, hey, look, guys, there's another avenue if you're ready to listen. And I want to highlight the fact that you said, hey, look, I bought this bad boy in 2019 or 2018. I might have messed that up. 2019, you bought your first one. And two years later, you're now speaking at a conference. That shows that all that work and energy you put in for 10, 15 years, you know what I'm saying, is, is, is finally coming to fruition. It's not a quick hustle. So many people think real estate's a quick buck. It's not, right? But as you grind and as you learn and as you mature over the years, you're now sharing your story, man. That's how it needs to be done. 
That's how it needs to be. And so for everybody out there who's, who's starting to see their success, and I don't care if it's one house or if it's one apartment, whatever your success is, man, start sharing that story. I love it, man. Good stuff. That's great, man. And it sounds like uh, when we, we keep talking about grind, right? And uh, and about like the grind is not always, hey, I got to buy a house right now. But j- just for the audience purpose, just for, you know, audience sake, right? Uh, to kind of visualize this about the time in between, because I think I'm probably in that space right now. I'm assuming there's a couple of years that go by before you even before you even acquire another property during that 10, 15 year process. So just really, really quick, like, all right, I, I acquired one unit 15 years ago, then next unit. Wh- what was that? Just a quick like. Yeah. So with me, you know, I leveraged my VA loan. It was PCS move. So <clears> 06 <throat> was the first one. Then tw- January 2011 was the second one. And then July of 2013 was the third one. And after that third one was when we picked up, you know, across the next year and a half, we picked up those two in Birmingham. And then we started the flipping in 2015 when we sold those two and, you know, went all in on that. So, you know, almost nine years and, you know, I only picked up like four properties. So there's inactivity. There's a lot of inact. It's not inact. It's not like inactivity. Like I'm just not doing anything at all, but that is the grind. Yep. That is the true grind because because that's what's going to tell if you're really focused on this and if you're really about this, right? That's going to really determine your success, what you do in that lull period, whether you're networking, whether you're saving your money, whether you're like what you're doing in that period, that 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 is is the grind. Um, and and I, just, I just wanted to touch on that just a second ago. Uh, just a that's second a good ago. point. And I'll tell you during that point too, I, I was all in on the military, you know, I was looking yeah. like, okay, you know, yeah. you no know, 06 and seeing where things going to go. And, you know, and so it, it, it was on, it was, like, I knew about it, but it was an afterthought. And I wasn't hungry when it came to real estate like that. You know, I had got content, you know, was having real, a really good success at my job. It was like, okay, you know, I can see this going longer. And then, you know, it finally hit me like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm saving all this money and everything. And, you know, the different general new general officer comes in his priority on what he thinks is important is different it's like okay well i don't control my destiny at all i'm sitting here fooling myself i'm like you know let, let's go back over and look at these houses again and see you know and, and kind of you know and, and put the business together and so that's how it, it goes but i tell people if you got one house the only thing that's holding you back now is yourself there's so much out here for us, teachers and mastermind groups and networking that you can you can you can scale up quick because you can get the knowledge. You don't have to make the mistakes or drag it out like in the past when you didn't know, because now you can get the insight and the information and kind of put the systems in place and kind of get hit the go fast button and, uh, and hit it safely without, you know, wrecking and, you know, and just kind of going off the deep end with it that you can do it and be successful just because there's so much mentorship available out here. And, you know, so I, I encourage people that uh, you just got to figure out that you're going to do it and just go do it because it's it's out here to be done. Absolutely, man. It sure is. You got plenty of options out there. You just got to take you got to take action, period. You know, and it comes in different forms. Absolutely. Hey, so you're, you're dropping nuggets. You're dropping a, a lot of a lot of knowledge. Right. And I, and I love everything that you described. And we kind of really, really kind of focused on that. Uh, on, on that transition periods and those mindset shifts and and also focusing on, hey, the length of time, how this is a marathon and not mm-hmm. not a sprint, sprint. right? So, uh, but if there was one piece of advice that you could give to a service member out there, just one piece of advice that you could give to a service member out there, what would that service member, be, uh, what would that advice be? <laughs> Take action. 
bottom line. You know, that's the number one trait principle. You know, it was chapter four of my book was like, hey, you got to take action. You know, you got the information. If you're watching this, then you're already ahead of the game. You know, you know what you need to be doing. And so it's just a matter of it's everybody's scared. Everybody has fear. But the thing is, I think it's, uh, you know, Steve Harvey said you got to take the leap off the cliff and build your parachute while you're falling, baby. You got you got to go all in and you got to have some faith along the way to have faith in yourself that if you don't know it, you know who to go ask to know. And that's where your network comes in. So I think just take action and use your VA loan. Use your loan, VA loan benefits. Like That's you said, that whole play on the 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 the, the duplex, triplex, quadplex, yeah. do it. You can easily do it. Yeah, it's, and then three and three years, man, you have more than you know ninety percent of Americans yes. right there. Boom, ninety percent of the population. Uh, so I'm also going to caveat that and say, hey, take action. I got to say caveat because it's a military cash flow channel. Hey, uh, take action and buy this man's book. And just a quick little, you know, selfless plug here, shameless plug. What can they expect when they do buy your book? What kind of content do you cover? So we cover, we start off with the problem in America. We talked a little bit about it today, just where is that they don't teach this stuff in school. Um, you know, in the second chapter, I kind of go, hey, what's today's millionaire look like? 88% of today's millionaires are first generation millionaires. But I think it was Fidelity did the study. And, you know, so you, it's doable. People out here grinding, they're not inheriting all this money. They're out here making it happen. And, you know, from there, you know, talk about the law of the first deal that it's been said that once you do your first deal, it becomes a whole lot easier that success follows success, that once you do that, you'll be in a good place. Take action, network, look at masterminds. Uh, networking is just critical to your success. And then just go. We get into the strategies where, the you know, the rubber meets the road, talking about how to finance deals. Uh, we go into wholesaling, single family, uh, fix and flip strategies, buying whole rentals, apartments. And at the same time, I'm talking about my experiences, but I'm talking about my network and all these other investors. So I, I got stories in there from Dave Seymour, who was the star mm -hmm. on A&E's uh, Flipping Boston and just, you know, how he came in, immigrated to the U.S., and, you know, he was working at one point, working over 120 hours a week, working three jobs as a firefighter, a, a contractor, then picking up a side job before he went all in on real estate. And now he's raising, he's got a hundred million dollar private equity fund by a multifamily on the Gulf Coast. Mm. You know, so him, I sat down with Vinny, who's got, you know, Vinny, smiling. <laughs> yeah, Mr. yes, exactly. So we sat down with Vinny, just honored to hear his, his humble story. Dude came here with $7. Came here with seven dollars in his name to go to Georgetown to get his master's degree, and was in the summertime while he was getting his master's. He's selling books down in Atlanta, twelve-hour days out in the sun selling books during the summertime, just grinding. And you know, and just his story. Sat down, talked with Rod Khalif as well. Got some nuggets from him, and just uh, then on the flip side, just other ordinary, you know, guys, my mastermind group, other investors I know in the D.C. area you know, from Florida that I've met, just sharing their stories with how they're doing, you know, fixing flips or apartment investing, the mindset, uh, Billy Keel, who's invested from Spain, that's invested back here in the United States. You know, and so just their story, Jerome Myers and how he got started and left corporate America, John Kasman. So it's just a host of good, solid investors, everyday people that have been successful and just kind of flipped the script. And, uh, you know, they, they, they had the tenacity and the grit to make it happen. And you know, a lot of these people left successful corporate jobs to bet on themselves and, and go into real estate just to get that time freedom back. 
And so I think yep. people will be blessed if they're looking to take action and they enjoy stories of other entrepreneurs and they're looking to just kind of figure out what can they do in real estate, then I think they'll, they'll like the book. Oh, man. Hey, that yeah. that link will be down below for sure. All all the notes and uh, well, well, go ahead, Mike. I think you were going to ask uh, another question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to ask the next question. Uh, yeah. So now, if they can find that book, they're looking for it, man. Where can they find that book? And where, more importantly, where can they find you? How can they get in contact with you? Yeah. So right now, you know, depending on when this this drops, we're doing the pre-sale now through I think through August 24. We'll do the 30 day pre-sale. But after that, we'll have the link on my website, johnnylonham.com, where they can kind of read about the book, you know, the YouTube videos I have. And then also just some of our syndication pieces and private equity um, opportunities that we have for investors. So it's all be all right there. Johnnylonham.com. Amazing. It's amazing. Hey, so all those links will be down below. Um, if, if Make sure you reach out to John and make sure you uh, pick up the pre-sale book. I'll go ahead and pick that up as well. It'll, it'll go well with uh, my elite investor book up there by, by Mr. Mike Glasby as well. So uh, I'll pick that up. And then uh, if you guys are in the air, are, so what are you guys going to still do the in-person conference? I know like COVID's going crazy right now and stuff with the whole Delta variant. I mean, okay. Okay. I, did, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, which looks to be a wise decision. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the, cause the last one was actual person was personal uh, or was um, in person, right? Like the, yeah, I, think I think the, the last, last one was, uh, well, I think the last one, it was virtual. Uh, we yeah, had one in spring too. I went to the one this spring that was really good. Okay. Okay. But yeah, all the links will be down below. Make sure you link in with uh, Mr. Johnny Lynham. He's putting out great content. Uh, follow him on Instagram, follow him on the, the uh, go to johnnylynham.com and, and, and find all the content. Um, again, really appreciate you coming on. Um, any, any last words? No last words, man. I think you guys always hit it with, you know, the, what people can do to take action. You know what? The stories are great, but at the end of the day, what can the listeners take take home with them to kind of change change their life? Like I, I like to say, be the best CEO of their last name. That you guys just take action, have faith in yourself. You have you guys give great content. Reach out to them. Reach out to me. We're all here to help you. We're your biggest cheerleaders. And I think it's just, hey, enjoy the journey. Embrace the process. You know, don't rush it and just enjoy every day, of the, every step, every moment, because uh, life is short. It's not promised. And you can't wait to work 30, 40 years and then want to live as you're 65 because it's not guaranteed. And so that's that's the last thing that I just say to everybody. Just thank you guys for the opportunity. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, man. Hey, man, um, it's been it's been great. Love the nuggets you dropped. Uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, stay in contact. And um, with that said, this is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. Signing off. Thanks, guys.